Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Sister Wives, Season 3, Episode 8, Another Wife. This episode had a lot of interesting perspective on the wives' different thoughts on polygamy and why they live it. And interestingly, Mary admits that she chose to live polygamy because she had to for religious reasons. And she admits it's a monogamous world. She did it because she felt she had to for God because God wants it, not because she wanted it for herself. The episode opens with some of the Browns' family friends from their church in Utah who are visiting them in Vegas. Andy and Nicole are the Browns' friends from Utah. They're also their former neighbors. Andy wants to talk with Cody. He wants to get advice about polygamy. And he has questions as a polygamous man who now wants to pursue a plural family. He wants to take on more wives. And he wants to know from Cody how he should date a woman when he is a married man. And he also wants to know How do you court? What's the etiquette as a married man? This guy is getting advice from Cody. It's like the blind leading the deaf. Yes, Andy, ask Cody. Cody knows best. Let's remember, he knows the etiquette as a married man. He knows best. Cody was courting Robin and he would spend long weekends away from his family, so much so that it got to the point where Christine feared that Cody was replacing his family, his existing wives and kids, with Robin and her children. And of course, we know that came to fruition. And Christine was very pregnant with Truly during a high-risk pregnancy, and Cody would leave Christine regardless. And he was crying on her bed during her limited nights with him in the rotation, crying about how he missed his soulmate. He just wanted to be with Robin. He was lovesick. Cody has all the finesse. He knows all the etiquette. For example, when you find the soulmate wife, the favorite wife, it's okay to have different standards for her. It's okay to have different standards when courting her than he did with any of his other wives, like kissing before the altar when his wives had to wait till the wedding or picking the wedding dress. He only picked Robin's dress. He couldn't care less about the details of his weddings with his other wives. But apparently, Cody Brown is the go-to guy for courting advice in his church. That's how high the morals and standards are here. Andy mentions how the wives and Cody all live together under one roof in Utah. And now, in Vegas, they don't. And he says, now it's almost a divorce for Cody and the wives. To Andy, it's a divorce because they don't live together in Vegas. Mary looks shocked at this. Christine says she thinks her jaw dropped open. Cody next addresses his family along with Andy and Nicole, and he addresses bullies like the really big bully in their community, Warren Jeffs. Calling Warren Jeffs a bully is far too benign. This man, Warren Jeffs, is a criminal of the highest order. He's a cult leader. He's an abuser. He's an offender. And on and on. The epitome of evil. He isn't just a bully. Cody explains to his family that Warren Jeffs is the leader or the prophet of the FLDS church. And Christine says Warren Jeffs was convicted of child abuse 
And Cody explains that his family are nothing like that. Well, Cody did court a minor who was 17, and he had to wait until she turned 18 to get engaged. And she called off the wedding a week before it was supposed to take place. And Cody also says it's a patriarchy and his wives need to be obedient to him. The episode opens with Cody explaining that the kids weren't doing well when they first moved to Vegas. They finished out the school year, they went through summer, and then school is about to start back up again. And according to Cody, the kids are doing better now. Janelle is seeing glimmers of the old Hunter as they show Hunter playing with baby Truly. Hunter is getting football gear and he has decided to play football again. Janelle was thrilled when Hunter asked her to sign him up. He even reminded her about it. Janelle says Hunter finds a lot of joy in football and he is still struggling, but now at least he will have something that he enjoys. Cody says the other day, Maddie said that she would start having a good attitude because she is tired of being grumpy all of the time. Maddie even lightened her hair for the occasion and she is stoked to show it off for the family. Her hair was black and now she's gone to a reddish toned brunette. Cody loves Maddie's lighter hair and he says it makes him wonder why she ever went black in the first place. Janelle mentions that the family is headed to Mount Charleston since their friends are coming from out of town and we learn that Andy and Nicole weren't just the Browns neighbors in Utah. They were also involved in Sunday school together. Christine thinks that they are wonderful people. She loves Andy and Nicole. And Cody thinks that it's fun to have people from their church visit them because they don't have anybody from their church in Vegas. Cody tells Andy that he is trying to give his family all the church he can and all of the religion he can. And Andy reminds Cody that Vegas is designated as Sin City. A very pregnant Robin says they are trying to change it from Sin City to Sunset City for the beautiful sunsets. Good luck. That would be a huge mistake for tourism because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas is a great slogan. But I guess Robin knows marketing and advertising best. She wants to change it from Sin City to Sunset City because of the beautiful sunsets. Although Andy and Nicole are a big part of the Browns church, they are still not living in a plural marriage. Christine says that a lot of people in their religious community are monogamously married, so they haven't taken on other wives yet. Cody says maybe Andy and Nicole want pointers about living the principle from him. And everyone heads to the mountains and Cody is excited to be able to give Andy advice. Andy and Nicole believe in plural marriage and they were both raised in polygamy, but they don't have more than one wife right now. They believe in the same faith as the Browns and Andy has questions for Cody, like how to date when he is a married man. And Cody awkwardly asks Andy if he has ever tried courting a second wife as they grill burgers and do man stuff. Because Cody is the ultimate alpha male and he wants it known. So Cody asks Andy if he has ever tried courting a second wife. They're grilling like men do. And Andy jokes that Cody thinks it's so easy. And Cody says he never said it was easy. 
And he knows that Andy knows better. And they're laughing at this like it's hilarious. And Andy tells Cody it's tough. It's been on his mind a lot, especially since he's getting a little older. And Cody asks Sandy if he is opposed to marrying somebody who already has kids. And Andy says he is opposed to marrying someone who doesn't have kids. Cody is surprised about this, and Andy explains that a newlywed deserves a newlywed. And he says, as a 37-year-old man, he better not be looking at an 18-year-old. Christine says that Andy and Nicole already have an established family, and they have six kids, so now taking on a wife is more of a challenge. Mary says her mom and dad had six kids already when her dad took on another wife and he started having more kids with her. Mary says that's a normal thing. Andy says he knows he should marry and he and his wife know that it's true and they should live the principle and they should have a plural family. But then they see someone else maybe in church that they find attractive And then all of these safeguards kick in. Safeguards like, you're married, you're married, what are you doing? Are you a pervert? Are you a jerk? Andy wonders these things to himself. Now, maybe they aren't just safeguards. Maybe that's your gut. Maybe that's your conscience. Maybe that's your intuition telling you, this is not for you. You are happy as you are. You love your wife. You love your kids. You love your family as they are. You do not need to do this. You do not have to do this. Maybe Andy should listen. Look how it ended up for Cody. Cody laughs at Andy as Andy explains that it's about how you take something sacred and holy to you and do it in a way that's appropriate. And Andy says it's difficult to find a plural wife. He says some men just believe in ignoring the feelings of his wife and chasing girls. And Andy doesn't, and he feels that's wrong, and he makes a point to say that's grotesque. Andy says plural marriage is difficult, and it's sacred, and it's their faith, and they believe in it a 100%. And he says their wives are their treasures. Andy says every day plural marriage is on his mind. It's on his wife's mind. They think about it constantly. Andy's wife, Nicole, says that they have six kids. They're an established family. And she says, you can't just throw somebody in the mix and hope that it will work. Andy knows that plural marriage is true, he says. And he always has known that it's true. But he wonders, how does a married man court another woman? Andy says Cody has been able to pull it off successfully in his perspective I wonder what Andy and Nicole actually think of Cody Brown now. Andy says he hasn't been able to pull it off and it often crosses his mind. He says here he is thinking about how he is going to be a polygamist man and he is watching Cody's wives thinking, how is Nicole going to be a plural wife? Mary asks Andy if this is why he hasn't done it yet and he says, absolutely. I think Andy and Nicole may have grown up in polygamist families and they may believe their faith in theory. However, I think the wife, Nicole, doesn't really want more wives. And I think Andy really loves his wife and he cares about his relationship with her and he cares about his kids and he cares about his family and he cares about his wife's feelings. And he knows that this will destroy his wife. 
And I think he feels he has to do this to get into heaven for spiritual reasons, for his religion. I don't think this man from his soul, from the bottom of his heart, from his conscience, wants more wives. I really don't think Nicole wants it either. I think Nicole and Andy are happy as they are. And maybe they feel that if they don't do this, they won't get into heaven. They both really seem to dread it. They seem hesitant. They seem reluctant. And they know the damage this will do. And they feel like they have to do this spiritually, take on another wife. But I really don't think they want it. I think they're doing it because they think they have to for God. Mary advises Andy that he and Nicole need to jump into it with both feet. And Nicole adds, then close your eyes really tight. Andy says, in Utah, the Browns all live together as a family, and now they don't. So he says, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, essentially, the wives now have shared custody with Cody. So now it's almost a divorce, and the wives do not like this. Mary is shocked. Cody looks pissed. Nicole, Andy's wife, has a look on her face like, shut up, you idiot. Andy says he is sorry if this is sensitive, but this is on his mind. Christine says she thinks her jaw dropped open. She could not believe that that was Andy's take, and she says it broke her heart. Andy says he goes to bed with his wife every night, and when he enters the principal, when he takes on another wife, he will have to now cut his family in half. And then it's Nicole alone going to bed alone at night. And it's him with someone else thinking that his wife is home alone. Cody acknowledges that that doesn't look appealing to most people. And Andy asks, does it to anyone? Mary chimes in that she gets what Andy is saying because people have asked her, if you didn't have to do this, would you? Andy shakes his head no, and Mary agrees, and she says, probably not. So right there is the acknowledgement that most religious polygamists live this way because they feel they have to for spiritual reasons to enter heaven for God. They feel that it's a must. They have no choice. But if they didn't feel they had to for religious reasons, they would not do it. Cody doesn't like Mary's answer. He looks angry and frustrated at it. Mary says they live in a monogamous world. Monogamy is really the norm. So for that reason, she probably would not have chosen polygamy. But because of her faith and because she believes that this will bring her closer to God, that's why she chose plural marriage. That's why she lives it. Cody says he has said before that they did this. They lived plural marriage by way of commandment, the commandment in their faith that they lived this way. But Cody says he would do this all over again because of love. Let's ask Cody that now if he would do this all again. And let's see if his answer is he would do plural marriage, do a plural family all over again because of love. Really, Cody would do this all again because of love? He said his family, his wives and kids, were an obstacle to his goals in life. He neglected his wives and his kids. He used emotional abuse and manipulative tactics to push his wives out, 
even asking Janelle to become more like Robin, to become more obedient if she wanted to continue on. And all of Cody's wives have left him and Cody is no longer in his church. All of his wives, but Robin, of course. And Cody, we learn, no longer believes in the faith. And he successfully pushed out every wife, but one, the favorite wife. And he admitted he didn't love Christine. He didn't love Janelle. He didn't love Mary. Would Cody do this all again for love, really? Or is he just being a used car salesman as usual? Andy says, it's trust in God. And God said, this will help you grow. This is your next step. You are married. You have six kids. So here is the next available step for you. So he asks, do you believe God or not? Andy asks, do you go into this finding another wife going, God damn it. I've got to eat my broccoli now. And Mary nods. Yes. Janelle adds that she doesn't know if she would have lived plural marriage if she didn't believe in the principle at the beginning. But she says now, looking back, if she could have the perspective she has now, having lived it, she would still do it. She would still be in a plural family. Andy tells Janelle that that's his mom's perspective. Also, she shares that of how will you know how wonderful plural marriage is until you do it. Andy says, here he is. He believes it. It's his faith. He believes in the principle. And he is sitting in a church with Nicole, his beautiful wife. And every unmarried woman in that church is now a potential wife. So he says, you find yourself looking at the ground because how do you do that? This feels very culty as if people are trying to push him to go on with this and have a plural family, and it doesn't feel intuitive to him. It feels like he's being forced to do it or he's choosing to do it because he feels he won't get into heaven otherwise. And this feels like this man's conscience and his gut tell him, this is wrong for me. This is not natural for me. He loves his wife. He is happy with his wife. He doesn't want to actually do this. He doesn't want another wife. He has all of this pause and all of this hesitation. And he's considering his needs. He's considering his wife's needs. He's considering his kids and how his family is now. And he's considering his feelings and he's considering her feelings and taking on another wife. And it's agony for him anticipating this, feeling like he has to marry someone else because it's what his faith demands. It's what God wants. And he feels like to deny this next step of taking on another wife is denying God even though Andy knows deep down that it's wrong and he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to hurt his wife. He feels he still has to do this for God in order to get to heaven, to get his planet. And the church people drink the Kool-Aid, they reinforce it, they tell him, don't worry, do this, it's wonderful. It sounds like a cult to me and it sounds like Andy's instincts are telling him, it's wrong, you don't want to do this, don't do it. And he is so indoctrinated that he feels like if he says no, if he goes with his heart, if he goes with his conscience, that that's against God. It won't get him and his wife into heaven. And the church people reinforce this. Reinforce, don't doubt, ignore your doubts. It's wonderful when they know the truth. These church people seem to push them to guzzle the Kool-Aid. Ignore your doubts. Ignore your ego. Ignore your own arrogance. Don't reject God. This is wonderful. God wants this. 
Ignore your gut. Ignore your instincts. Ignore your heart. Ignore your conscience. Ignore your common sense. Just do it. Do it. Don't turn away God. Don't reject what he has for you. Imagine the mind fuck that is when you have doubts and you have hesitations and you go to the group and they're all drinking the Kool-Aid and they reinforce the group think, leading you away from your truth all in the name of God. Next, everyone gathers at Christine's for church. And Cody says, since they moved to Vegas, the family is away from their household of faith. They're away from their church. So the family meets together for Sunday services as a family in one of the homes. Andy and Nicole attend church with the Browns at Christine's. Cody explains that in their Sunday services, they have their prayer time and then they sing hymns. There is a lot of off-key singing going on, very pitchy, no instrumentals, all acapella. God and the angels probably have their earplugs going to avoid the cacophony coming from the brown house. The camera shows Hunter and he looks like he is about to bust out laughing during this quote-unquote singing. Cody explains that in his church, there aren't priests and rabbis. There isn't a professional priesthood, so it's common for the head of a family to lead a church service. This time, Cody is prepared to speak, of course, and he has also asked his wives to speak as well. Christine tells everyone that there is someone they can talk to all of the time. And she says, we have his number. And she holds up a paper that she printed up last minute on the fly. As she announces profoundly, that's God's number on this paper as she holds it up. And it says, God's number is Jesus with Jesus spelled out all in capital letters, J-E-S-U-S. Andy is speaking next and he is winging it. He talks about what he has seen of the Browns this weekend and how they have laid their family out in front of everybody. He talked to them all about it, and he says especially the little ones might not always feel like it's fair. And he says when he was the kid's age, they hid everything about their lives, about who they were. Even the neighbors didn't know that they were a plural family, and Andy says it was hard. Andy says, when you have an environment where everybody is hiding things, that lets evil flourish. Andy asks, when Daniel was told he couldn't pray or else they would be killed and thrown in the lion's den, did he go hide in a corner? He didn't. Andy says he threw his windows open and he prayed. He let everybody see him do it. And that's what he sees the Brown family doing right now. Andy says, no one can tell anyone how to live. He says, you can't. Cody says, Andy's compliment to them about them in front of their kids was golden. Christine says, now McKelty gets it. And she doesn't know if it's just because of Andy's talk. But last night, McKelty said how proud she was of them in doing this, in coming out as a polygamist family. She told her family that they were changing the minds of so many people because they came out as polygamists. Christine is emotional. She doesn't want to be tooting her own horn about this. She is really uncomfortable with it. But to have McKelty recognize that, Gaining McKelty's respect last night was a big step. And Christine thinks it's all due to Andy. 
Most people don't care how other people live. As long as it's consenting adults, most people really don't give a fuck. The Browns want tolerance and most people don't care how they live. Most people don't care at all. And I say live and let live, again, provided it's consenting adults. But let's remember that their faith is exclusionary. They're pleading for tolerance when in their faith, they don't allow anyone who is not white in. And Cody sits there, he says, with his cap in hand bullshit, saying, accept us. When most people do accept them, most people really don't give a fuck how other people live. Most people don't care, provided it's consenting adults, how anyone lives. But it's interesting how their faith itself is exclusionary. You can't be black, you can't be Asian, you can't be Middle Eastern, you can't be Latino, and be in their church. But they want to beg, cap in hand, and plead for tolerance and acceptance when their faith doesn't tolerate. It's interesting. For Christine, McKelty's respect was a big step. And maybe it was Andy's talk because Christine hasn't gotten through to McKelty ever before this. Mary says they don't have a lot of support from their people, from their own church group, as far as coming out in the public as polygamists. So to have the support from someone from their own group meant a lot to her. Cody says, as they stand cap in hand, asking America to accept them, it's a scary thing. And Andy appreciates what they have done, and it touches the Browns deeply. Cody mentions during church that they have talked about bullies. And he says, Warren Jeffs has been bullying this community for over 20 years. Cody says, Warren Jeffs is the leader or the prophet of the FLDS church. And he is convicted of child SA, and he was marrying minors as well. Robin says the FLDS in Warren Jeff's community, they wear the dresses and they believe in the underage brides and the arranged marriages. And Christine and Cody assert that they are nothing like that at all. Cody says they're uncomfortable talking about Warren Jeff's because Warren Jeff's is evil. That is true. He definitely is evil at the top of the list. Cody tells his family that Warren Jeffs reminds him of King Noah Benzenef. Noah Benzenef was a king in the Book of Mormon who was the head of the church and he inherited his kingship from his dad and he was an evildoer. He was a bad guy. And Noah Benzenef and Warren Jeffs both inherited their church from their fathers. And they both went on to abuse the subjects of their kingdom in evil ways. Cody explains that Warren Jeffs and King Noah Benzenef were leaders in the community who should have been noble and benevolent. And instead, they preyed upon their community and in the end, was burned and killed by his own people. Cody says Warren Jeffs took their sacred scriptures and he placed them on the altar. His altar, not God's. And he took an entire society of people down with him. Cody says it took the state of Texas to stop Warren Jeffs, but Warren should have been stopped by his own people. Cody says all that is necessary for the prosperity of evil is for good men to do nothing. Andy and Nicole share the Browns' view and perspective of Warren Jeffs, and Cody says their entire community 
feels the same way. They find it abhorrent. Cody says Warren Jeffs brought his people from where they were, which Cody doesn't even know was a good place to begin with, and then he brought them and completely exploited his people with evil. Andy says the reason Warren Jeffs got the authority he did was because they were living secretly because they were afraid of the government separating families again. Andy says nobody dared go to the authorities because what could you say? Hey, I'm a plural wife married to a knucklehead abusing my 14-year-old daughter. Robin says she can't even sit still. Every time she reads the articles, she shakes and she can't believe people are letting this happen. She can't imagine that these moms would allow this. Andy says the blame is in persecuting a lifestyle and he says it's never going to go away. So these people bunker down and they hide in the shadows and he asks, what do the shadows attract the scum? And he says he feels they have people among their own faith he feels are the scum of the earth. Christine is frustrated that people still think that's the norm in polygamy, the compounds, Warren Jeffs, the abuse that Warren Jeffs and his society is the norm. Cody would like to see the society open up and allow those people to emerge without the child brides and without the forced marriages and without the wife reassignment to say, you can live the principle of plural marriage, but you don't have to have these other things that are not scriptural. But it is scriptural, by the way, in Cody's brand of polygamy to exclude people who aren't white from their church. That's okay. And I understand that his polygamy isn't the same as that of the abuse and evil and arranged marriages and child brides and fraud and the control of the Warren Jeffs compounds. But it is still problematic. I mean, Cody courted a 17-year-old when he was of age and he was at least a couple years older than this girl. And he was in a church that doesn't allow non-whites in as he begs for tolerance as the faith he believes in excludes. Andy says, the key is with Warren Jeffs, if you back off a little bit, people get it, they are human beings. And Cody says, the people of Warren Jeffs that he controlled need rescuing. And one of the reasons the Browns are uncomfortable sitting here blasting Warren Jeffs is because it alienates those people. Christine thinks it will make them go further and further in. So she doesn't want to talk about how bad they are because she wants them to come out to a safe world. And she says, if they as a family are representing plural marriage and they are what people see as representative of plural marriage, yet they are throwing their society under the bus, then who is safe for them? Cody agrees that they have to be safe coming out. And Christine says it has to be safe for them to escape. Robin says if they can get to where it is safe for them to open their society so they are not afraid of the law, then they can go in and they can help. Andy says the only way they will come out is if they quit feeling judged. He says he was a thug as a kid and people would come to him and tell him that they had to get him on the right track. And then he figured it out when everybody backed off and let him figure things out on his own. Cody says there is a difference between he and Andy at 14 and a 35-year-old mother whose 12-year-old daughter 
is about to be assigned to be married to a 60-year-old. And Cody says that woman has a more open mind. We learned that in August 2011, Warren Jeffs was sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years. Next, Cody and his wives and Andy and Nicole go for a dinner cruise with just the adults on Lake Mead. And Mary asks Nicole why she wants to pursue plural marriage. Nicole says she wants to do it for her because she knows it's true. It's something she has seen that she grew up with and it has ups and downs, but there's lots of happiness. And Robin asks Nicole if she sees any more benefits to plural marriage other than just that she has a testimony to live it. And Nicole says the kids will have each other and they'll have playmates. They have lots of time together and they'll have lots of moms to help them. Robin asks if Nicole sees any other benefits as far as the relationships with her sister wives should they take on more wives or if this is just scary for her. And Nicole pauses and she says, sheesh. You can tell that question overwhelms her and she's not that stoked about possibly having sister wives. Christine says that Nicole's comments made her sad. They asked her, do you want to live plural marriage? They asked what she saw as the benefits of plural marriage. And Christine says she doesn't think Nicole knows what the benefits are. And she says she doesn't think that Nicole is ready to live plural marriage. And Christine warns, it's a big commitment. Mary asks Nicole what her hesitance is. She asks if she has a hesitance to do this. And then Cody asks Nicole what her fears are. And Nicole says her fears are not having Andy with her every night, not having Andy with her kids every day. She wonders what it would do to her kids morally for them not to be around their dad all of the time. Nicole says it's hard to think of going to bed every night without Andy being there and Andy being at the other wife's house. But she says she and Andy have discussed plural marriage and they know this is how they have to be living. She knows it's not for everybody, but it's what Andy and herself feel is right for their family. It's where she wants to be and she says it's her comfort zone although it doesn't exactly seem that way. Nicole says she and Andy are sacrificing their relationship for this, to live polygamy, and it's worth it for them because she knows this is where they are supposed to be. Supposed to be or have to be to get into heaven in their religion, I wonder. Mary tells Andy and Nicole that the biggest key to living plural marriage is finding somebody who wants to be a part of the family, who doesn't want just Cody or just Andy for just them while not accepting and wanting the rest of the family too. And Mary says the reason why Nicole doesn't know what the benefits of plural marriage are is she hasn't lived it yet, so she won't know those benefits fully until she has lived it. Christine jokes, it's polygamy for dummies. Even you can understand. And she says, Nicole and Andy need that book. Mary says, when you enter the principle of plural marriage, it's something you have to jump into with both feet. Cody says, everybody has to work it out. It's like a regular marriage. You have to get it figured out. And it's not perfect on the first day. And Robin adds, it might take a couple years. 
Robin says, it's like having a baby. There are growing pains, but they are worth it. Cody knows that he intellectualizes his decision to live the lifestyle, but he says he can't intellectualize or quantify how he loves his wives. It's just here and it's real, and sometimes it's raw, and sometimes it's sweet. And sometimes it's a patriarchy where he demands obedience and he warns his wives, if you don't respect me, don't bother with the love. And sometimes your wives and kids become the obstacles to your goals in life. The goal of monogamy, the goal of riding off into the sunset with the favorite wife, the soulmate wife, free of the obstacles holding you back. I guess that's what Cody means by sometimes it's raw, sometimes it's sweet. That does it for this episode. I'll be back next week with the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 9, College Bound Browns. To my YouTube viewers, please like, subscribe, and let me know your thoughts in the comment section if you like. To my podcast listeners, feel free to follow this podcast and rate it if you like. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.